Hey, this is Ashley. Hey, this is Marcy. And this is School in Life, a weekly podcast about life, love, and occasionally libations. We'd like to start off this week's episode by thanking you. August has been one of our highest download months ever. We are so proud of the growth and development of the School and Life podcast, and that is all because of you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for following us on social. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for connecting. We are so grateful for the School and Life community, and three plus years in, it feels really magical to have thousands of listeners all over the world every month, tune in and engage with our content, with our stories, and with our lived experiences. If you haven't shared School in Life with um, anyone in a while, you are passe. You are out of touch because everybody's doing it, girl. So make sure that you share School in Life with a friend. Let them know it is your absolute favorite podcast and you can't wait uh, for them to listen to. Let them know that we talk about all things life, love, and occasionally libations. And we are really committed to having an expansion girlfriend conversations um, with women like us. And if you are a listener, you're like us. So we are excited about the growth of the podcast. This is the last episode of August. So please blow it out of the water. It's already one of our highest download um, uh, months um, ever. And we would love to continuously blow it out of the water. So thanks for listening. This week in Mentor Moment, I talked about what feels like an increasingly fine line between professionalism and authenticity. Um, As a career development uh, mentor, you can imagine the conversations, right, that I'm having with women about what it means to be their authentic selves, their whole selves, their full selves in spaces that don't feel like they can do that, in spaces that feel really oppressive, in spaces that feel really white, in spaces that feel really patriarchal. women in particular often feel like they can't show up with their hair the way they prefer or show up using the same phrasing and language that they would prefer or show up um, feeling and sounding and sharing the things that matter most to them because the people that are in the spaces that they occupy in the world of work don't share those same sentiments. And so if that is something that resonates with you, go ahead and just give me like a two snaps in the air, like, yes, Ashley, I feel you. And then make sure that you um, follow me on Instagram Um, on Monday, I talked about this uh, very topic and really was able to engage an audience around it. And I talk about it more in my Mentor Me Mastermind program, which is a 10-week career development program um, for women. So, um, and we're starting this week. um, So I do have one slot available. So if you know you want to talk more about that topic and want to be a part of that, make sure you do go to my website, schedule your mentor moment, and let's get started right away. I'm so excited to mentor you, to support you, and to remind you that you can be your full self and show up as your full self in the world of work. That is not um, unavailable to you, right? That's not unavailable to you. That That is there for you too, and I look forward to helping you with that. You can check out my website at mentor-me.org. That's M-E-N tor-me.org. Schedule your free mentor moment. That is the absolute first and only way um, to um, work with me. You do have to have that call first. I just want to um, touch base with you, really understand who you are, how you show up in the world, and how I can best serve you. So that's a great way for us to have that personalized introduction and then identify what's the best way for us to work together ongoing. Um, I'm so looking forward to um, all the women that I'll be able to serve as I close out the year. One more spot in the mastermind. 
I do have two more spots in the October accelerator. And then that's all of the mentorship that I'll be doing for 2020. So if you know you want to be mentored by me, if you know you don't want to let this year go by without getting the career advancement you know you need, let me mentor you. Again, you can go to my website at mentor-me.org. It's a great way for you to connect with me, have your mentor moment, and um, be able to really get the support you need this year. So next up is I digress and deep sigh. Marcy and I are talking about hopelessness. We're talking about what it means to feel hopeless, uh, particularly as it relates to a fight towards racial justice um, and the continued police brutality and um, dismantling of what the rally cry around Black Lives Matter. Um, We've done all the professional development. We've posted all the black squares on Instagram. We have had dialogues and conversations out the wazoo and even in our protests for our lives. Um, it's apparent that they don't matter to many people. And the dying out of the old guard won't save us because 17 year olds are armed and they're dangerous. So. So join us in a conversation this week. Um, as we know, we'll likely be pre preaching to the choir, but we do want to engage you in a dialogue around hopelessness. So Marcy, I think the tenor, right, of like what's going on in these conversations right now, people aren't using the word hopeless, I don't think, as much as I, I'm surprised, right? Like people aren't using that phrase, but I do, I know that I often feel hopeless and I think that folks around me feel hopeless. I um, mean, I would define that as just like um, exhaustion and despair, right? Like this feeling of just like a lack of uh, futuristic thinking. <laughs> if we use like high impact phrasing that I use with my mentees, it's so hard to be futuristic because I don't know if we know where the end is and that's what hopelessness feels like. That's how I would define it. Um, when you think about hopelessness and what it means and how to define it, what does it mean to you? How, how would you define it? Yeah, I would agree about the future part is that there's an there's this concept or a lack of a concept about what the future can bring and that there will be anything to look forward to in the future, anything to be excited about or hopeful about in the future that there's nothing to look that there's nothing to look forward to and also feeling very out of control about things that can happen um and by future i don't even mean like five ten years down the line i mean like Baby, tomorrow. i'm talking about november <laughs> okay oh my gosh i really y'all i'm really trying hard not to think about november that's my birthday month and so it's really difficult for me not to think about november but i'm really trying to just block out of my mind but it really is though it is like um the near future but feeling out of control feeling like there's nothing that you can do to change what's going to happen in the future and that there will just be more bad things to come and in a lot of ways um and I've been talking a lot with my clients about this as well is that the constant what feels like attacks against everything that we want to hope for like the constant not only the literal attacks but also just the figurative attacks of what we could have hope in like around what june 1st when everybody was talking about um oh black lives matter like i was telling hubby earlier today i 
was cleaning out some emails and found this email from PetSmart that was like, oh, Black Lives Matter. And I'm like, PetSmart. Come on, Pets Pet, PetSmart, okay. Black Pets Lives Matter, like, I don't know. Anyway, but I was just like remembering how we all kind of had this little bit of hope that the world was maybe changing or the world was maybe paying attention and then we just kept seeing no we're just going to keep going down the same patterns no matter how how we protest no matter how much we protest it feels like we're still getting more of the same and that is really discouraging that is really disappointing and I think that that often like contributes to this pervasive feeling of hopelessness is that we keep getting hit with the same things and it doesn't seem like there's a way out of it. So Ashley, when you think about just like what is contributing maybe to you feeling hopeless right now, like what are some of the things that are making that feel more palpable for you? The narrative hasn't changed. Uh, The narrative, oh, well, maybe he had a knife. Maybe he had a gun. Maybe he was a felon. Maybe whatever. Like the narrative hasn't changed. It's still full of excuses. It's still full of questions about what ifs. It's still just like this lack of basic understanding of like policing, which, you know, I understand what um, many would say policing is literally just like, you know, to keep, like still in this country, right, to just keep slaves in their place. But most police, um, most police units or whatever, right, on the side of the car, it says protect and serve. It don't really, it don't say nothing about, it don't say nothing about murder. It's just a thing, right? And so I think I recently read a statistic and listeners, please absolutely correct me, uh, at me on um, Instagram if I'm wrong, but I, I thought I saw a statistic that was like, like, so what, we're at like maybe two, uh, like 200 plus days in this year, right? And as many people have been killed by police this year. Like, so police just out randomly killing people every day. Where is the protect and serve? And so I think that that leads to the hopelessness. It's like the narrative has not changed. Like, in, in fact, I think more people are dying at the hands of the police. If that, you know, if we're specifically talking about that in the fight towards racial justice, right? Like, more people are and that feels hopeless um i think the narrative even for black folk it's like well we just need to educate we just need to teach them i'm seeing like all these memes about this but this like this person was doing this but like they know what racism is girl i don't know what the meme i don't know what the picture is for like right so like i'm not sure i'm not sure Okay, so Trayvon Martin was 17 and this is what he did. And this person is 17 and he's a murderer. Like nobody's confused about 17-year-old. Like we, I guess I just, how do I, I'm not being articulate. What I'm saying is the narrative hasn't changed. And that makes me hopeless because we're having the same conversations that we had 90 days ago, that we had five years ago, that we, when Mike Brown was killed, like we're having the exact same conversations. Um... And I know that if I was like 65 or 95, I would be able to see the progress, but I'm not. So I can't see it. I just can't see it. And I think one of the things and one of the conversations that I've been recently having um, at work, uh, we've been short of required um, to engage our colleagues in racial healing. 
And so we've been having racial healing circles where we talk about racism, race and racism. And recently in one of those conversations, one of my white male colleagues talked about feeling hopeless and how he was feeling hopeless uh, for the future. He talked about like over the course of history, humans have just treated each other poorly. And, um, you know, he's not seen that narrative change and it's, it's defeating and frustrating. Um, because, you know, he is an ally and he's doing the work and, you know, at this point he's fed up. And I said to him, if you are hopeless, then I don't know what I'm supposed to be. If you are hopeless, then there is like, what is the goal for the future? Like if you having more power and privilege here than anyone, if you, my good man are hopeless, then my goodness, you know, this, the gig is up. Um, so I'm interested in your response to that, Marcy. Like, do you, do you feel like how, like, is there privilege in being hopeful and hope, hopeless? Who gets to be hopeful? Who gets to be hopeless? And, and is there privilege uh, in how we get to feel? Hmm, that is, that's a very interesting question. And I, I like to think that hope is <laughs> available to everyone. But I is it though? <laughs> I do, I do believe that, especially with being a Christian and just kind of like knowing where my hope comes from. However, I, I have noticed, and this isn't just for um, racial injustice, I think that in a lot of isms and a lot of oppression, people who are in the privileged more privileged position, this tone deafness around what the people in the like oppressed position are experiencing, like that conversation, for you to think that your hopelessness in some way, or you don't necessarily acknowledge what ways I, as a Black person in America, am feeling about the lev the um, levity and the weight of what we're going through and for you to say that you're feeling hopeless that tone deafness like blows my mind and i am trying in a lot of ways to really show grace and compassion to people who are thinking that because i know that it's coming from a place of like we're trying to help we want to be an ally um, we want to be supportive but also not in the same breath really being able to show up for the people who are in the oppressed position like i need you to first acknowledge that me feeling hopeless and you feeling hopeless are two very different things because you can walk out of here tomorrow and walk up to a police officer walk down the street shoot somebody get some water get sent home and go to sleep tonight if I run up on a police officer if my husband runs up on a police officer if my nephews or my little brothers run up on a police officer chances are I'm never going to see them again so the hopelessness that other people are claiming that don't necessarily have to experience this it's just a little frustrating that they're not first acknowledging what the people who are in the trenches are actually experiencing and so I'm not saying that I'm not grateful for their allyship even though I have lots of qualms around what an ally is and how we're done talking like we're done with you having empathy we're done with 
<laughs> we are done with you thinking um, that you just saying you're an ally is enough. We need you to be active, actively fighting. So I'm grateful for the people who are actively calling things out. But I also need y'all to recognize that like, this is a different kind of hopelessness that we're experiencing versus you who just got woke back in May now because it's been six months you're feeling hopeless <laughs> like you just got started you are off the first you just quarter. got here you you literally just arrived we haven't even got we barely got to your 90 day review i just need you to tamp it down you are still in your probationary period kind sir so i've noticed that a lot too but I also i think that it is hopeless and kind of like I was just saying, recognizing where my hope comes from. Um, but also I'm real good about not being on social media and not looking at nothing. Like I literally, I don't really know how I find out information because I literally don't, I try my hardest not to look at anything because I just, I can't, I'm not good at being able to separate from what is happening in the world when it keeps coming at me nonstop. Like if I am inundated with things, it is too difficult for me to pull away from it. So I don't watch TV. I don't watch the news. If I see too much stuff happening on social media, I will quickly go on a hiatus and go on a fast and block it and do everything else, mute everybody and everything. But that helps me to maintain hope and maybe it's a ignorance is bliss kind of hope but it helps me to feel less overwhelmed by everything that's going on and try to find the glimmers of hope like Kamala getting on the ticket while again we talked about lesser two evils a couple of weeks ago but just the fact that like there could potentially not that I'm wishing that Joe Biden would die but if it happened, there could potentially be a Black woman president. Like, that's something to feel hopeful for, or just that there's a Black woman vice president. That's something to be hopeful for. And so I'm constantly just trying to find a silver lining, if you will, or something to hold on to, because the despair of not having anything to hold on to is just too much for me to bear. So, Ashley, when you think about trying to maintain hope and a sense of hopelessness, what are some of the things that you do? Marcy, I really love the reminder that you gave us um, in terms of like knowing where your help comes from. Um, and I think it's Psalms 135 that says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word, I hope. Um, Psalms 19 and 81 says, my soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. Um, and Psalms 9, 18 says, for the needy shall not always be forgotten and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Hope in God for I again, uh, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And as believers, that truly is where our hope comes from. Um, and at the same time, um, I was having a conversation with um, my staff today. We were talking about intersectionality and this conversation around like being a Christian and um, being an advocate for LGBTQ folk and in the fight towards racial justice. And then it's just like, pff, mind blown, right? Like where... 
like how do we reconcile our faith right and we've talked about this on the show a number of times right like how do we reconcile our faith and our hope right where our hope comes from as believers with all of the inequities in the world and knowing that god right sees that and knows that um and then that feels hope hopeless too right um because i can imagine jacob was crying out right and i can imagine um that those who have been harmed by police have cried out um and 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 we're hopeful that intervention would come when it didn't um and so as we digress do we do we recommend right that our listeners right um sit in hopelessness do we recommend that they remain hopeful um for me my my recommendation my 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 advice my mentorship would invite you to lean into your hopelessness it's a feeling it matters um not to sit in it but to feel it let the feeling pass fully through you allow hopelessness to wash over you if that's not like no, don't invite it right but if that's how you feel that feeling is valid it has meaning um and i invite you not to reject it i invite you to like really like sit with that that feeling of like despair and like that feeling of frustration that feeling of like a lack of futuristic thinking and opportunity um and then i invite you to work really hard and it will take hard work but you can do hard things i invite you to identify a way in which you can be hopeful find something to be hopeful about the least of things the smallest thing um because i think that it's in finding that hopefulness that you will be able to build more hope and it's just like anything you start to build a good habit it builds into better habits and it builds into um a great sustained thing um one one real life example that i can share is that um you know as a supervisor as a leader as a professional i supervise a staff a team of people and you know even in my own journey towards like my racial identity and my and how that interacts with like my role as a professional right um i you know have always been an advocate always been really focused on my own racial identity and like my black is beautiful and the rest but i don't know if that always extended that to my leadership it's like this is how i feel about my life and it's how i engage my life but now i haven't always like done that work as a leader of people but increasingly i see it as my responsibility to hold everybody in my life accountable to doing the work and that includes my staff that includes my bosses that includes every literally everyone in my life my boyfriend right and so i think that as a leader i've been really more intentional about that holding myself accountable for um equity and justice related work that goes beyond training you know like we we have to do the work you have to it can be in your own personal life it can be at work it can be with the students we serve but you you can't skate by me and just be like yay go black lives matter but not have no actionable meaning right and so i've really held my staff accountable for that and the actionable work the actionable change the 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 approach the actionable approach is so different than it was 
a year ago. And yeah, it took about a year to get there. It took having that conversation at every turn, every conversation, every one-on-one -on -one was about racial justice. And can you imagine an organization that's not racially justice focused in a unit? My, I don't work in the diversity unit. But I was talking about, we're not going to have a conversation that don't include what you're doing towards racial justice. And the work is being done, y'all. And it's, you can see it. And I am so proud of that. Not because I did it, but because that one staff member's like change in how they behave, how they see the world, is going to impact their family. And that is going to impact uh, their community. And that is going to impact their their state their 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 county the in the world and you know of course i'm being mad cliche about it now because then it's like you know one thing can change the world but but i would like like when i tell you the visible change in this person and how they approach me as their black supervisor and the world is transformative and that gives me hope um it truly does so Marcy, what say you, uh, our, our listeners to sit in hopelessness and contend with that? Should they be hopeful? Um, and if so, how might they navigate that? Yeah, so I, I always encourage people to sit in feelings temporarily to acknowledge them, but then allow them to pass through. So do not become consumed with hopelessness. Do not allow it to be the only thing that you experience, but can you hold the hopelessness and have other feelings as well? So not even just having hopelessness, but can you also find moments of joy? Can you also find moments of gratitude? Can you also find moments of peace and calm? Even if it's five seconds, can you find those moments that exist and recognize that the hopelessness is there that it may not necessarily go away but there are also a plethora of other feelings that you can experience and can you also um, stimulate those in your lives as well and then the other thing that I, I definitely agree with you Ashley is that no these small steps don't necessarily mean that everything is going to change but these small steps are steps that we need to be taking towards getting the change that we want. It's unfortunate that these steps are so small, so late. And so sometimes it can feel like a day late and a dollar short, but at least being able to say like, hey, I generally see something about anti-racism, Black Lives Matter, um, equality, justice on my feed every day. Like it hasn't died down. And finally, like we've been screaming, kicking and hollering for our entire lives and for generations. But finally, there is something on the horizon. Like there is some kind of change that's happening in the air. So the more that we can, like I said earlier, find those silver linings. And even if it's just a silver lining in your life, like I woke up this morning the police didn't kick in my door last night and shoot my place up. My husband went to the store and came back home and he did not get pulled over or killed by a police officer. Like all of these little moments that happen from day to day where we still get to have another chance to do it again, you've survived every single day of your life up to this point. And that is something to have hope in. So have the hopelessness for a moment but let the other feelings come in too. Yeah. 
And, and I'm look for, looking forward to the space in which we can not just survive, but thrive. And we digress. Next up is All Black Everything. Marcy, what do you have for us this week? So this week, um, just like last week, I don't want to talk about any of, <laughs> any of what we were just talking about. So we know that Jacob Black was shot in Wisconsin by the police. We know the little white boy was running up and down the street cutting the fool with his 17-year-old self, protests, et cetera, NBA, WNBA, MLB, boycotts, protests, et cetera, et cetera. Y'all got that. But what I'm excited about right now is that Netflix continues to show up and give me all of these wonderful things that just make my life so complete. So apparently they are releasing a series called Bookmark, Celebrating Black Voices. And it is their videos of celebrities reading Black children's books. Y'all, when I saw the video, I literally teared up. Because one of the things that I do for all of my nieces and nephews, I'm sure I'm up to about 10 at this point, they all get Black books for their birthdays, for baby showers, all of that. Because y'all know I'm an avid reader and I want my nieces and nephews to be the same and I want them to have representation. So... I just love seeing this um, on TV. And so Netflix said that, you know, parents, as parents, we know the powers of the story, of stories, and our stories shape how our children see themselves. They want to focus on representation, um, self-love with our children, race with our children. And so premiering on September 1st, I think that's the day that this episode releases, um, you all can get on Netflix and watch 12 episodes of prominent Black voices, authors, athletes, actors, musicians, and comedians reading children's books from Black authors that highlight the Black experience. And I'll go ahead and tell y'all the titles of the books and the, the authors. So Tiffany Haddish is reading I Love My Hair, which, listen, I don't know why. I'm actually going to go buy all of these books for myself and put them on my shelf. But anyway. And Tiffany she recently cut her hair, didn't she? I, I thought I saw that. I don't know. I okay. You know, I ain't seen Tiffany Haddish nowhere. When she's on Netflix, on here, she still has hair, but okay. she may have. Okay. But she reading I Love My Hair. So, um, Grace Byers, who I believe is um, not, she from Empire. I think that that's her name. But Grace Byers reads I Am Enough. Caleb McLaughlin reads Crown and Ode to the Fresh Cut. Lupita Nyong'o is reading Solway, which is her book. Marseille Martin is reading ABCs for Girls Like Me. Karamo Brown is reading I Am Perfectly Designed. Jill Scott reads Pretty, Fate, Pretty Brown Face and Brown Boy Joy. Misty Copeland is reading Firebird. Common is reading Let's Talk About Race. Jacqueline Woodson is reading The Day You Begin. Kendrick Sampson is reading Anti-Racist Baby. And Marley Dias is reading We March. So... I am tuning in. I want to have bedtime stories read to me. For all of our listeners who have children, definitely get your little brown babies with you. If you, we have white listeners, get your little white babies too, y'all. Go ahead and get some of this goodness. And let's all sit down and read books together about the Black experience. I'm really excited and I hope that y'all will tune in too. 
I love it. And I'm so excited for Anti-Racist Baby. I'm definitely getting a copy and I'm getting a copy for everybody I know and love. Everybody can be an anti-racist baby in my life. <laughs> so I'm so excited about that. Thank you, Marcy. That is truly, literally all Black everything. And the love continues in TVT for the streaming services because a couple of days ago, I watched Love in the Time of Quarantine, or excuse me, Love in the Time of Corona on Hulu. Um, it's a freeform production. Um, and I love Freeform, watch a ton of stuff on there and was just so um, in love with this show, mini series, right? Like four or five episodes about um, what it means to be in love, to be a couple, to be in a relationship and to be navigating um, Corona, right? In, in this time. And, you know, it's true that like the early days of Corona, that March, April time, that probably feels like a world away now. Like March, I can't even, I don't even know what March, what, you know, is anymore. But I remember like the show brought me back to like, literally like going to the grocery store was just like, hazmat suit and for so many people it still is but just like hazmat suit you quit kissing your loved one don't know if they're gonna make it back like you just cooped up in the house together and you literally can't leave your kids are coming home from college i mean it was literally mass chaos and i thought that the writers oh my gosh the writers did such a good job with this show um the dialogue was so spot on not phony not fake i'm so glad that it came out even still in the midst of corona even still in the midst of like quarantine and isolation because like, if I have seen this show a couple years later, I would be like, was it really like that? I don't know if it was like that. I can't believe that's true. This, it can't, it's, it's still so relevant. It's still so much of our lived experience, right? That, like, um, this still feels really real. It still feels really actionable. And so, um, shout out to Hulu um, and shout out to Freeform. Um, the love in the time of Corona is so good. Uh, Marcy, I know that you're a big Hamilton fan and uh, Leslie Odom is in it. Have you seen Love in the Time of uh, Corona? No, okay, you haven't seen it yet, but it, uh, you'll love it because Leslie and his wife are in it. Yes, so I have, my friends actually just recently recommended it. It's only like four episodes out, right? And I was asking, I'm like, where can I watch this? Because my favorite person in the whole wide world, Leslie Odom, is in there. So I will definitely be figuring out this Hulu situation because I definitely have it. And I will watch it probably before we meet again. Yo, good. I'm so glad we can talk more about it. Um, and I think his character really has some complicated feelings and issues that I think will be important to, um, to discuss. Ooh, yes. Mm -hmm. We'll definitely discuss that um, as I reflect. Um, and yeah, I mean, just the relationships, the, you know, having a baby or growing your family in the time of Corona, um, having a roommate and feeling cooped up with them and annoyed by their every move in the time of Corona, having a loved one who's sick and not being able to visit and spend time with them in this period. Um, just like having a partner who you feel dis distant and connect disconnected with, but you literally can do nothing but look in their face all day. Like, right, like these are real issues. We heard of these stories, of these challenges, um, and they came out in this Hulu um, special. And so definitely highly encourage you to read it, uh, or excuse me, to watch it, so good. It's called Love in the Time of Corona. It's a new freeform and Hulu series. It's short, four episodes, and I know you got four hours to kill, girl. So go ahead and <laughs> dive in and absolutely let us know on social what you think. So that wraps up this week's episode of School on Life. Thank you so much for watching. Hard to believe we wrapped up another month of School on Life. We will see you in September. School's out. Class dismissed.